the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. But don't talk about that obedience stuff, because if you do, it's legalism. And somehow obedience will undermine our faith relationship with God, as if somehow a call to obedience is antithetical with love and faith in the church. I mean, this is foreign to the New Testament. It is absolutely incompatible with Jesus' teaching. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko. This is Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Mike's message today is the conclusion to the Church of Thyatira and the call to purity. We hope that you enjoy it. And remember, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening today. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Stay tuned at the end of today's broadcast. I'll have information on how you can attend the worship service in person if you would like. You can also attend anytime online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with the Church of Thyatira and the Call to Purity. Then Jesus identifies the problem in the church with Jezebel's teaching, verse 20. Very clearly here, there are three problems she fosters, and they tolerate it. Number one, she calls herself a prophetess. I mean, she claims to speak for God when she doesn't have a right to. Number two, she beguiles Jesus' servants to practice immorality. I mean, she whittles down the standards so people feel good about breaking God's law. And number three, she teaches the church to eat food sacrificed to idols. First, number one, she claims the role of a prophetess when she's not one at all. A prophetess is a woman God uses as a spokesperson for his word. That means Jezebel claims to speak for God when God has not chosen her to speak for him. In Revelation 1-2, John bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. But Jezebel speaks for God and herself. She contradicts the Bible and the teachings of Jesus, and she doesn't care. She claims that God is speaking through her. Now, number two, Jezebel beguiles Jesus' servants to practice immorality. You know, I have been in pastoral culture where I've seen pastors discussing which rated R movie they would go to in our denomination. I want to just be frank with you. I've been in a same kind of gathering where they talked about how they could bring one or two of those movies in the church and show it for enlightenment, for analyzing the culture and this kind of thing. (laughs) I'm telling you, we're living in crazy days. There's a little bit of this letter that can apply to us. A good friend of mine, HMS Richards, he was a young boy. He was bolting against his father's authority. He was bolting against his mother. And he said, I'm not in the church because of my dad, HMS Richards Sr. I'm in the church because of my mother. She knew it was wrong for me to go watch that, you know, bad film at the theater that I was going to watch. So she stood outside in the cold, crying and praying for me as I went in to watch until I quit doing it. Pretty amazing lady. She was unwilling to compromise, but she loved her son. 
The word beguile in the Greek is the word to deceive. You know, I was just reading the blogs recently, this Avengers film. I mean, some of you are familiar with it, right? The Avengers movie is the biggest blockbuster in history. One weekend, I think $200 million plus. And what does that movie have to offer the Christian world today? I don't know because I didn't see it. But I know this, that there is a draw, an attraction for Christian young people to compromise standards and say, well, let's just go watch that and let's have a good day. I mean, I can't believe that Christ goes in there with that. Friend, if you're going to be a Christian, you need to make a decision that there's a line that's drawn in the sand and you keep your both feet inside the church and you don't stick one foot out there where you compromise your life. Now, we live in a culture where that's hard to do. But the church should be a place where we encourage each other to stand for Jesus Christ. Now, the word beguile in the Greek is the word to deceive. It shares the root word for our English word planet, planao. It means to lead astray. A planet was something that wandered along in the sky without guidance, they thought. And so Jezebel convinces the church to forsake the leadership of Jesus for her leadership that causes the soul to go astray. Friends, the church has no right to take the place of Jesus and the word of God as authority. There is a call to purity. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Number three, Jezebel teaches the church to eat food sacrificed to idols. You know, as a false prophetess, she rejects the one who has feet like burnished bronze for food from an altar that Jesus has never blessed. She rejects the cross of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, the altar of Calvary for an altar that she herself sets up that demons are in charge of. The church of the Middle Ages transformed the Lord's Supper into an altar that Jesus never set up. They taught that Jesus must be sacrificed again and again. And when they did that, they denied the all-sufficient victory of the cross of Calvary. Food sacrificed to idols is a clear indicator that paganism was creeping into the church. I've been to the Vatican Museum, and I would recommend that if you go there, you go to the place where they have the exhibit for the burial boxes of Christians. It starts in the first century and it moves through time. As you get to the third, fourth century, especially the the persecutions of Diocletian, you see clear Christian symbols with nothing else on those burial boxes. But as soon as the Edict of Milan hits, as soon as the era of Constantine is upon us, you'll see pagan sun worship symbols and Christian Bible stories on the same boxes. And friend, we have a historical snapshot of what happened in the Christian church right there. In the ancient guilds for trade at Thyatira, if you wanted to be a member of a trade guild, you had to honor the patron of that guild and any other god associated with it. If you took the Christian stand of no compromise, you couldn't be a part of that business enterprise. As a Christian, you often had to choose between your trade or business and the freedom to buy and sell as others did in that ancient Greek world. And if you sacrificed to the patron god, you were brought in, you were part of the club. That same challenge, dear friend, will arise in the mark of the beast issue at the, just before the second coming. The book of Revelation says an image to that world beast system will be built and men will be commanded to worship it. And if they don't, they will not be able to buy or sell. The lamb-like beast will build an image to the beast and whoever doesn't bow down will not be able to do business with the beast. Revelation thirteen seventeen, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. I mean, those Christians went through the same kind of thing in the Middle Ages. Now, in Revelation 2.21, Jesus indicates that Jezebel would be given a time to consider her deceitful ways and to repent, potentially. 
Revelation 2.21, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw them into great tribulation unless they repent of her doings. Now Jesus says here, I gave her time to repent, but she won't repent. Now we find no action on Christ's part where he's indifferent and uncaring about this church. We find him directly interacting with it. It is his church he cares about. He loves Jezebel. He gave her time to repent. But it's very clear in verse 21, Jezebel's case is hopeless. She is a fallen mother who will never come home to God. We know how long this time period was in the Old Testament because it's based on the story of Jezebel. The prophet Elijah opposed Jezebel because she brought Baal worship into Israel. And she corrupted the faith of God's people by religious syncretism. It was the ecumenicism of that day where all religions lead to God. And let's get Yahweh religion, Baal religion, Ashtar religion. Let's do it all together and pray together and God will be there. For Jezebel, all religions led to God. She brought that attitude into the jealous religion of God that was unwilling to compromise the Bible. Her husband Ahab was one of the worst kings in Israel's history because he compromised the truth and he let his wife corrupt his faith and his people's faith. Now, how long does she have to repent? Turn with me to Luke 4.25. Christ here gives us the time period. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heavens was shut up, how long? What does it say? Three years and six months. When there came a great famine over all the land. So it was three years and six months. The book of Daniel calls that a time, two times, and dividing of times. It didn't rain for three and a half years because of Jezebel's actions. And when it doesn't rain in time, there's nothing left to eat. The bread is all gone. In the Bible, bread represents God's word. So Jezebel messed it up for God's people so no rain fell. And in time, there was no bread that symbolized God's word. For how long? A time, times, and dividing of times. Three and a half years it is. The same time period occurs in the book of Revelation. Look at Revelation 11.3. And I will grant my two witnesses power to prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Now in Revelation 11.6, these two witnesses are like Moses and Elijah. And they are pictured in the context as the church of the Middle Ages. It says they have power to shut the sky. Now that's what Elijah did. He prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. They have power to shut the sky so that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. Now, how long do they prophesy? It's very clear in verse 3. How many days? 1,260 days. That's right. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and smite the earth with every plague as often as they desire. So it's like Elijah appears in the Middle Ages. What happened in the Old Testament is repeated in the New Testament. And here we have two witnesses, not just one, doing what Elijah did. So 1,260 days in the book of Revelation is also three and a half years. Let's compare it to verses Revelation 12.6 and Revelation 12.14. Now the woman here symbolizes the church that fled from the devil after the ascension of Jesus into the wilderness in the Middle Ages. Look at verse 6. The woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which to be nourished for how long? 1,200 and what? 60 days. Now look at verse 14. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle. Now it's just the same as the previous verse. That she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness. 
to the place where she is to be nourished for how long? Does it say 1260 days? No, you see, it substitutes 1260 days for what time period? A time times and a half a time, which is three and a half years. So 1260 days is the same thing as the three and a half years. So the woman represents the Christian church that fled into the wilderness for 1260 years. A day representing a year during the Middle Ages. So after the ascension of Christ, we have this time of Jezebel in the book of Revelation. And during that time period, the faithful church was literally on the run while the unfaithful church pursued them to kill them. And what made the difference between the two groups, the persecuted and the persecutors? What defined them? Friend, the persecuted refused to compromise the Bible and the teachings of Jesus. The Bible says they went into the wilderness where God would feed them with the word of God. And the persecutors did what Jezebel did. They brought paganism right into the church. They compromised the Bible. And then they tried to destroy those that were standing true for God. They taught Christians to bow down to images of the Greek gods with the names of the apostles and saints carved on them. Now, I've been to the Vatican Museum and to the Vatican Cathedral itself. That's what you want to call it. Basilica is a better way of saying it. And right there you can see the the image of Jupiter with Peter's name on it. And people are, are bowing down to an image that in the Greek culture represented the greatest god of the Greek pantheon. I mean, that's the mix-up that was occurring in the 4th, 5th, and 6th centuries. And they taught that Jesus' sacrifice was not good enough to clinch the sin thing. So they put all of the onus on the bishop or the priest to fix it because Jesus couldn't fix it. And if that didn't work, they had a, a saint in heaven who would pray for you so God would hear your prayer because Christ's prayer wasn't good enough. So they set up an altar at the Lord's Supper to take the place of the altar of the cross of Christ. Friend, God gave Jezebel three and a half years, which is 1,260 days or 1,260 literal years to repent, and she would not. Now, you know why I'm telling you this stuff? Because I doubt very seriously you've heard this from the pulpit in your life before, have you? This is in your Bible. This is part of the warning of God for the church of Christ in history. We are to benefit from it. Now, Revelation 2.22 leaves no room for ecumenical compromise with God's truth and the Word of God. Now, what is the ecumenical movement? Does anyone know? It's a movement where different churches can come together and really not settle it on what they believe. Just act as if they're Christian, but not really stand for God's Word. That's really what the ecumenical movement has become. When you tolerate false teaching in the church in the name of unity and understanding, you actually perpetuate the problem And Jesus is not pleased with that stance. Now look at Revelation 2.22. Behold, I will throw her on a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw in a great tribulation unless they repent of her doings. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches that shall know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you as your works deserve. I mean, there's nothing wrong with good works, but Jezebel's works are rotten to the core. In verse 22, Jezebel is identified as a harlot. In verse 23, she has children. She is very clearly here in an action against God, and she will go into the great tribulation with her lovers unless they repent. She has children, and she is a harlot, and she will never, never endure the scrutiny of God in that day. That means the harlot Jezebel exists until the end of time 
as a religious system and problem in the world. She claims to be the mother church when she is really a harlot who has corrupted God's truth. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. That means the harlot Jezebel exists until the end of time as a religious system and problem in the world. She claims to be the mother church when she is really a harlot who has corrupted God's truth. She is also called in other places in the book of Revelation, Mystery Babylon. I'm going to read Revelation 17, 1 to 6, and just let the flow of the verses speak for themselves. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and with the wine of whose fornication the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of blasphemous names. It had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, bedecked with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her fornication. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, And the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled greatly. The harlot of Revelation 17 represents the church system that stays in the wilderness with the beast and the kings of the earth. She will not go home to glory. She will never make it to the promised land. She doesn't want to leave the wilderness. She's married to politics and the kings of the earth. She is a mother and she has children who follow her teachings that are in love with the world kingdom system. She also sits on seven mountains or seven hills in Revelation 17.9, identifying her place in the world geographically. She is identified in Revelation 17.18 as the most influential city in the world. Revelation 17.18, the woman that you saw is the great city which has dominion over the kings of the earth. Now in 2 Kings 9.35-37, Jezebel's body was eaten by dogs. The harlot Babylon in Revelation 17.16 will be eaten by the beast representing the kings of the earth. The Bible says they will devour her flesh. The book of Revelation teaches that the Jezebel of the Middle Ages has not repented. God gave her time. As God's people went into the wilderness, it was her time to repent, but she would not repent. And so she will be destroyed just like Jezebel was destroyed in the Old Testament. Her destruction is described in Revelation 17, 16, and 17 and a whole chapter also in Revelation 18. A lot of material there. Now the Bible is clear here that those who follow Jezebel will be thrown into the great tribulation with her. Now Jesus gave us a warning about this tribulation. I'd like to focus on his words here. Matthew 24, verse 20 and 21, 22. He said, pray that your flight may not be in winter on a Sabbath. Now what does it say next in verse 21? For then there will be what? Great tribulation. He said, you know, if you want to avoid Jezebel's outcome, 
have a prayer life on the Sabbath. He says, for then there'll be great tribulation such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been shortened, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. In Revelation 2.22, Jesus commands that they must repent of her doings. I mean, she will never repent. But he says they must repent or they will go into the time of trouble. The they here identified in the context are those that Jezebel has corrupted with her false teaching. She will never repent even though she was given 1,260 years to repent. But those who follow in her teachings have time to repent even now. At this point, the text shifts to those who have not been corrupted by Jezebel. Revelation 2.24 But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay upon you any other burden, only hold fast what you have until I come. Now the word rest in verse 24 is the Greek word for remnant. In Elijah's day, there was a remnant. He thought it was a one-man remnant. It was actually larger. He called fire down from heaven. He ran from Jezebel for his life at the end of the three and a half years. He went all the way back to Mount Sinai where God gave the law to Moses. He found the very cave where Moses hid in. He hid there, whining in God's presence. He claimed in the Hebrew to be a remnant of one man. He said, I alone am left. I am the remnant. But God informed Elijah that there was another remnant out there bigger than him. 7,000 people that had not compromised, who had not bowed the knee to Baal. He says, you go back, you work with those people, and don't think you're the center of the universe. There was a remnant in Elijah's day that didn't go along with Jezebel's teaching. And friend, if you seem to be a minority of one, you're not. God has other people who love him, and we should not be so centered in ourselves. The remnant has one characteristic in Revelation 2.24. Here it is. The remnant in Thyatira does not hold to the false teaching of Jezebel, which is called the deep things of Satan. Now, a deep thing is a mystery. In the Middle Ages, they were called sacramental rites. Now, that term does not appear in our Bible at all. We do not have sacraments in the New Testament. We have ordinances, but not sacraments. Not a sacramental rite that somehow is a sign that grace can be infused into you magically. This is one of the deep things of Satan. The Jezebel of the Middle Ages is all about mystery and the deep things you can't understand rather than the clear teaching of Jesus in the Bible that you can understand. Revelation 17, 15 calls her Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots and averse abominations. Friend, for those who are struggling with Jezebel in the Middle Ages, Jesus does not lay any other burden on them than one thing. He says, stay pure until the end. You know, dealing with Jezebel is all the trouble they really need to deal with. Sometimes we can be critical of Christians who don't worship the way we do, who don't see it the way we do, who are trying to hang on to God in the context they live in. Christ is saying here is that for people in that kind of a setting, life has become simple, just staying in there with Jesus, staying pure in the midst of a troubled world. But in some places and times, it's time to stand up and people will hear At the end, people will come out. Jezebel, at the very end of time, messes up the whole world. And she brings the time of trouble that ends the world. In Revelation 2.26, Jesus gives the promise to those who overcome. He who conquers, who keeps my works until the end, I will give him power over the nations. 
He shall rule them with a rod of iron. As when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received power from my Father. Maybe you feel like you're powerless in life. Like you can't just keep that stuff out of your home. Maybe you feel that compromise is just the way it is. You've tried and and you fail. Friend, it says Christ will give us power because God gave him power. A Christian is here by definition one who overcomes. And how do you get that power? Look at verse 28. I will give him the morning star. Now, who is the morning star? Revelation twenty-two sixteen. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. How do you overcome? Verse 28, I will give him the morning star. You cannot overcome without a Christ-centered, cross-centered life. You cannot overcome without Jesus in your life. When you have Christ more deeply rooted within, Christ overcomes within you for you. Jesus said in verse 29, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who overcomes, overcomes compromise. And he makes it to the end with Jesus. And he or she who has Jesus, who overcomes in this way, is a whole lot better off with Jesus than Jezebel. Thanks for listening today to The Church of Thyatira and the Call to Purity. You can find this broadcast online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. And if you would like to attend in person at the church, we would love for you to do that. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart.